The Harry Corey Summer Sale is now on with massive savings and fantastic ideas to transform your home for less. Visit us in-store or online at harrycorey.com. Harry Corey, the curtain embedding specialist. The Summer Sale is now on. And in this episode of Laughter Unlocked, I'm delighted to be joined by Larry Dean. Larry, welcome to the studio. Great to see you. How are you, mate? All right? I'm good, thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Uh, well, I've, I've been chasing you for about two years now, mainly because um, you inadvertently caused uh, me to be crushed on stage one night at the Red Raw in the stand in Glasgow. Did I? And I, the one, the one, in, the one and only time, <laughs> I'm talking like I'm a veteran of 2,000 shows, the one and only time out of my five, I get music off. And the guy, the techie guy said, I, it wasn't your fault, mate. Larry Dean was on first and he overran and then we were running late the entire night and nobody told me. And I did like five minutes and 40 seconds and it was 40 <laughs> seconds too many. And do, 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 which is the music that you hear when you're getting the big hook. Oh, mate. I mean, that, yeah. That, so you can apologise now. <laughs> okay, I would like to publicly apologise to you for going over time at the beginning of, I can't, what, so what, what year was it? I mean, it was exactly because it was my second red draw. So I think it was uh, roughly, it was January 2020. Oh, mate. Well, to be fair, I wasn't going to, I knew in the back of my mind I wasn't going to get much stage time in 2020. <laughs> so I was trying to get every bit I could. You had a wee premonition. Exactly. Like, Hold on, but you got, when you went off at five minutes 40. It wasn't even six minutes, but the guy that, he, the guy apologised and says, like, afterwards he said, you were fine. He says, but look, we're running really, really tight. And I'm pretty sure I got home and once I'd stopped crying and all that and beat myself up. <laughs> I recorded it, I had, the, I had my phone in my pocket and I recorded it and I looked at the audio time and I was like, hang on a minute, that's about five minutes for it. But anyway, listen, I was, it was a learning curve. Well, I tell you what, mate, I'm sorry about that. And also, because <laughs> I have a bad habit of going a few minutes over time if I'm getting banter with the audience. Uh, or do new stuff because when you do new stuff you don't know how long exactly it's going to last aye but you're a famous superstar you can get away with it somebody's just doing it for the oh, first time oh I know thing. but at the same time it makes me feel like an absolute fanny man <laughs> because I'm like <laughs> I wish I hadn't mentioned it uh, not at all because I'm like well I mean I've had it happen to me before I'm glad the sound guy was nice to you right because when I this was probably back in 2015 I was doing so I, I wasn't a professional comedian or anything like that um, and I was doing oh no it was probably 20. 13 actually no come to think of it it was 2013 right mm. and I was doing five minutes and before the gig the sound guy says what time do you want a, a light the right? torch yeah. yeah and then I says uh, can you give it to us uh, he said do you want a light and I'll go aye I'd like a light please and then he just stares at me and goes you need to tell me how long you're supposed to be on stage for, mm -hmm. otherwise I don't know when to give you a light. Was a tall guy with red hair and a beard by any chance, no? No, not him. He's sound, man. <laughs> He's a good guy. Um, this guy doesn't work there anymore. Um, so then uh, he did give us a light, but then I went two seconds over, like the five minutes, and then he played the music off the stage, right? So I had to get off the... Does that breaks a heart oh, I, I hate no. I ever hear that tune now. I used to love it now it just makes me make cry <laughs> and then just makes you think of me now <laughs> and uh, but then I remember being raging because I was a bit like I could tell that he did he didn't give me any leeway yeah. I could tell he did it because he didn't like me yeah so I was complaining at the bar I was like who's that guy who's the tech 
and then they wrote my name as if I was a diva because, oh, no. and I was like, no, it's not because I got thinged off. That's fair enough. Yeah. It's because I could tell he was just doing it just because he wanted me to go over time. And then I remember after the gig, a Kevin Bridges turned up. Aye. I'd never met him before in my life, and he was just there for a drink. And my mate Mikey introduced me to Kevin, right? Aye. And uh, Kevin went, "Oh, how you doing, man?" I was like, oh, "I'm alright. I got music off today, and I'm really kind of be up about it." And he went, don't worry about it, man. Like, what is it? Is it like your first or your second gig? And I was like, no, I've been gigging for four years. <laughs> <laughs> so I was oh, like, that's the first time I ever... I haven't mentioned that to Kevin since. I'm like, do you realise when you say that, my heart broke? Because I was like, oh, I've watched you on DVDs and stuff, man. And you think I'm pure shy. Oh, Kevin, do you not remember me? I supported you, mate. Yeah. Oh, well, well it's a hamster, hamster everybody, I suppose. But oh, it does. does. Do you wonder, I wonder... Is that kind of unique to the Glasgow stand? Because I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't take it to around Britain. I wish it wasn't, right? Mm-hmm. I, but it is. Uh, obviously, you've got gong shows and stuff. Aye. But Aye. Uh, sometimes when people overrun, I'm like looking at them and I'm thinking, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, Because <laughs> yeah, sometimes when people overrun, it goes too far. And uh, that's why I apologise oh, profusely no, for listen, my behaviour. I got over it, you know. It was it cost me a wee bit of money in counselling and all that. But I'm all right now. <laughs> I was doing the same show a few months ago and a boy who must have been relatively new I can't remember his name but he was doing five minutes and I was like I'm I'm now so kind of worried about it all I time other five minute acts to say right this is what leeway they're getting so I timed him and he got to like six minutes twenty or something and Uh, then he started another story and, and I'm like here we go and sure enough do 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 and he kind of saw in the green room after it and he's like oh you know, I, I'm, I'm gutted and all that. And I, I didn't want to say, well, what the fuck do you expect? You know, you do five minutes, you do six minutes, 20, and then you start another week in an anecdote. He didn't have like a, a watch with a buzzer or anything. And he maybe just didn't see the torch. I have never seen the torch yet, incidentally. I, in, in, like seven, six oh, or seven times I've done it. Uh, no, I always see the torch. Oh, I'm I, so good. I'm so engrossed in I my I just routine. ignore it when you're on later. <laughs> <laughs> It's that thing though, by the way though, because I'm like, because I always say this to the newer acts that are in the green room of, um, I'm going to do a lot. No, I always say to the, the acts in the green room before that, like the new ones, because they always are so nervous and yeah. obsessed with it. It took me ages to figure it out myself. It actually doesn't matter as much as you think it does. I know it's like you're on the stage and everybody's looking at you. Huh. But see, after, like, because I remember after that, getting the, the music off, I felt so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, everyone in the room will not think about that music thing. They'll have just thought about when you were actually on the stage yeah. and whether or not they enjoyed it. Yeah. Because it is, it feels really frustrating because it's like, it's like, see, when you're having an argument or whatever and you're getting interrupted constantly, mm-hmm. that makes you more and more raging because you're like, I just want to be held. Yeah. So yeah. that's the feeling. But at the same time, whenever I've seen it happen, I'm like, I didn't think about that too yeah. much. And yeah. I don't think the audience did. No. If anything, if the audience go, oh, when that when you get music off, it's it's means well, you're good. There was a wee bit of that I have to say. In, in fact, Gareth Wall was hosting, and he came on, and he went, "Oh, that was about unfair." He was like, "I was enjoying that," and it, or he was just. I think I think he could sense I was literally halfway through the the final sentence, kind of thing. You know? But uh, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Anyway, apologies <laughs> accepted. Right, I didn't really want you on the podcast. I just wanted to say well, that. I mean, I'm going to let you speak for most of this podcast now, just to, <laughs> just to e- even it out. And if David, the producer, thinks I'm talking nonsense, they've just come in with. Da, 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 da. I'm wondering as well how much I went over. 
by that, that so, night. Yeah, I'm wondering as well. So you said he was a I think you were trying new material. The guy said, I think you were doing, you were trying new stuff. Oh, mate. I don't usually try new material in the stand because since it's like 200 odd people, and like I know it's a nice audience, but I'm always like, it's Glasgow for God's sake. So I'm thinking, well, Catholic Glasgow family, I'm thinking, well, half of this audience might be my cousins. I don't want them to report back to my parents and be like, oh, that was rubbish. Maybe it wasn't you. you you're not Larry David then, no? <laughs> no, no, it was you. It was you. Uh, and anyway, listen, I've talked about that too much. This isn't about me. This series of Laughter Unlocked is about the professional comedians. And we're just around the corner from Edinburgh. So um, I'm actually here all about your show. Which is oh, I'd rather talk about you, mate. <laughs> we'll do that. Well, I'll talk about me. I'm, 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 I'm doing ten minutes, two days in a row, nineteenth and twentieth of August at the uh, Beehive. Oh, the Beehive. Oh, the Aye. Beehive soon, man. Which is the grass market. Aye. And I'm going on a show. Um, well, Jay Lafferty's doing it. It's, it's Jay Lafferty and friends, so she's just inviting open spots, I suppose. I'm doing ten minutes on the nineteenth and ten minutes on the twentieth. And I was lucky enough to get here a Friday and a Saturday, so. My mates might think about coming through <laughs> rather than saying having the excuse like, no, it's a fucking Monday. No, I'm not coming through. No, that's good, man, as well. I was wondering, I'd, that makes sense because Jay Lafferty was asking me the other day about where she could buy a giant torch. <laughs> <laughs> for a guy for a guy in his early 50s who can't see very well aye, or hear very well. Yeah, um, but that's great, man. So Jingle like, music off at the fringe. That oh, would be really embarrassing. And to be honest, you've told me the dates now. I know what show you're on. <laughs> I'll be there. Kind of thing. <laughs> get a blaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure Reap Petite by Jackie Wilson is on just very quietly, <laughs> just so you're the only one that can hear it and you'll think that you're having a stroke or something while you're on. That, well, you I know? hope it's going well enough that I consider having a stroke. That's another story altogether. <laughs> so I ride with Tom. Well, is it just the audience that's hard in Edinburgh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. However, about 50 minutes into it, we haven't even started yet. Uh, Fudnut. <laughs> So, watch me keep dodging this question. <laughs> <laughs> is it a show you've been doing for a while, and it, and and or, or or is it kind of something that you're using Edinburgh to, you know, kind of develop it? I, this is a weird, like Jenny, this is the weirdest festival I've ever done, right? Already because I've never done a tour before the festival, and I'll never. I usually do like, oh, I'll do the festival, get the show together, then go on tour with it. So I've done the tour. I've got like three dates left of it now, but touring is different from the fringe. Like it's a different kind of show. So I have to at the end of at the end of June. That's me done my tour, and then the July I need to kind of rejig the show so it's more for a festival. It doesn't mean it's less funny or anything like that, but it just means that I get to because if somebody's coming to you like or the one time a year you come to Aberdeen or whatever like that, and um, which is more than enough. Um, <laughs> but the if you, you do new material too much or you play around with the structure too much and it doesn't work, mm -hmm. then it's a bit like, well, I've kind of let them down. But then uh, for July, I get to do work in progress shows and it means people are only paying a few quid mm -hmm. and they're just like, and if and they know, oh, he's going to mess around a bit here. So I'm going to kind of change the show slightly between now and uh, The Fringe. I, I think I asked this exact question to a previous guest. Apologies. Listener, does the kind of multinational stroke multicultural element to a fringe audience come into it? Like, you know, if you're playing Aberdeen, yeah, you're going to tailor it to an Aberdeen audience in Glasgow, you, you know, but you know, you, you could do a, a show of the fringe and there's people from all over the world. 
Yeah. Does that play in your mind much or does that not really matter? Because what's funny is funny regardless of people. No, I do think that, man. It's funny because I like, I send my, I like, I record every show, right, on my phone and I say, I send it to my pals just to be like, just, just checking, like, what do you think of this bit mm. or this bit? Mm. And it's always the thing of like, so they're listening to like an hour and the Scottish ones be like, oh mate, that, that bit you got on Catholic and, Catholics and Protestants is absolutely fantastic or whatever. And then, my English makes me like, I didn't understand that. I, it didn't really speak to me. It must be a Scottish <laughs> thing. Um, so um, usually at the fringe, I have to, most of the people that will probably come and see us will be Scottish, but I tend to have a, like more generic references as well as uh-huh. the Scottish ones. <laughs> so like, um, but mainly because I, I want I want those, those little Floridonians that come <laughs> to see me with their wee, Baseball caps on with hope in their eyes. I want them to enjoy a little bit of the show. <laughs> Gee, Larry, you dumbass. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my was God. That... You must have shortbread all the time. Like, wow. Is that why, why stand-ups... Well, there's a million reasons why they do this, but they'll, they'll say, where's everyone from? Anyone from such and such a place? And right at the beginning, because then we'll... For a, well, it's obviously giving you material, because if Aye. someone comes out with a funny answer, then... There you go. But at least it can you can get an idea of how many class regions they're in. Kind of. Usually I've got like a joke that's got a word in it that makes me go, all right, cool. That that, that laugh means that, that they, like, a word like, um, there's, a, there's a word in my show, Bobby, right? Yeah. I say the word Bobby and it's a kind of tag on to a joke. And if more than half the audience laugh at it, I'm like, all right, we've got some Scottish people in. Okay, that means I can do the routine about, you know, the, whatever, the Catholic Protestant thing or whatever. Yeah. But then uh, if they don't, I'm like, I'll probably leave that routine. Because <laughs> it's like once you're, that's a tag on joke, but once you're in a routine, it's very difficult to kind of go, let's just leave that and move on to <laughs> yeah, the next yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you, you said that you've sent stuff to your pals. Have, have you, are your pals honest enough to say, you know, that, that, that was... Oh, my God, yeah, yeah, totally. If anything, they're too bad for that. Yeah. Because, like, uh, but I think it's usually when stand-ups start, they, they have this thing of, like, we're all in this together, we're going to support each other, and I hated it. Because I was like, well, it's actually wasting your time if people go, oh, that was great. Yeah. And I say this to my partner, because him, um, him and his cousin came to one of my shows, and, like... I knew it went all right, mm-hmm. but I knew it wasn't as good as it should have been. I was like so knackered and I, I made a couple of wee mistakes because I had to kind of change, I had to change the show again because I was touring it in Australia yeah. where no reference will ever hit. And I had to change it again back into the UK version. And then, um, so I says to him, I'm like, what do you honestly think? Um, and he was like, oh no, it was brilliant. It was so good. And I'm in my head, I'm like thinking, He's just trying not to be nasty because his cousin's here. And then he said to me afterwards, he was like, I didn't want to be honest in front of my cousin, but see that bit you said there, that wasn't any good. (laughs) But it's so much better because it means if I, if I get the, I don't mind criticism at all with that stuff from people that I ask it. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about Mr. Facebook comment. No, you don't want somebody who somebody said butts in whether you value their opinion or not. Yeah, exactly. So, but then when it comes to like comedians, my pal, like, because the pals I'm talking about are all comedians Mm -hmm. or people that have just worked in this kind of industry. It means that if they get, if they're brutal with me, I can decide whether or not to actually take it on board. But you develop more of a thick skin with that stuff. Mm Because sometimes when someone says that's no funny, there'll be another person that thought that was absolutely amazing. It's all subjective, that's the thing, isn't it? It's totally subjective because, you know, everything appeals to different 
sense of humour and, and so on too and and also but with other comedians too I mean they're going to be honest with you but maybe you wonder whether some might think mm, a wee bit professional jealousy creeps in there and just uh, oh totally that's why you got to be like right if we need to get the actual friends here exactly. the ones who want the best for you but uh, uh, yeah if somebody says it's crap you're thinking right actually that must really be good I'm going to go with oh yeah totally <laughs> man totally but this is the thing as well about recording the shows because a lot of comics don't record their shows and I'm just like I'll do it on my audio like audio on my phone and it means that I can listen back to it because sometimes sometimes I'll come off stage and I thought it went well and in my head I'm thinking oh no maybe it didn't go well and I'm just mental mm-hmm. and like I've lost my mind and my standards have just dropped so much that one person coughing counts as a hundred people laughing <laughs> and it means I have to listen back to it and go alright no I'm not mental that, that did go well and the same I mean the flip side of that means is sometimes you have to listen to a show that didn't go well and then sometimes it's the like I know it's the, the customer's always right, mm-hmm. but sometimes it is the audience Completely. and you just don't gel. Yeah. But yeah, the thing I've, um, I've I've definitely noticed is being able to take criticism is the best advice you need to get as a comedian because it's like you're going to get it regardless if you want it or not and you may as well use it to your advantage. Completely. And, and the very fact that you're putting yourself out there and you're basically saying, right, criticise me because I'm, you know, because I am, I am, you know, putting myself up in front of the world as someone who is funny that's going to make a lot of people say, well, I don't think you are, you know, just because that's just how human nature is, you know. I don't love nothing more than knocking people down, you know, I think that's so. I know, the thing as well, I've actually, I tried to, this is almost like the mantra before I go on stage is just have fun. And if I'm recording something or if I'm like uh, videotaping my show and even like uh, my mate who used to direct my shows, I'd always think, right, just try and make him laugh or try and make myself laugh later on. And it means that, regardless of what the audience... It's going to be so subjective. Yeah. Some people might love it, some people might know, but it means that if an audience look at you having fun, yeah. even if you don't find a comedian funny, if, like, right, so there's obviously people that don't find Billy Conley funny, but the reason why he's actually really loved and respected is a bit like you watch him and you think, he's just being himself. Yeah, yeah. So you can't really say he's rubbish because he is always just he's very authentic yeah 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 so I think the authenticity thing means that you can means you can avoid feeling ashamed of yourself if you don't have a good one I'll tell you what I wanted to ask you about too Um, I watched you doing a couple of roast battles the Comedy Central show as well that must have been an incredibly difficult thing to do I I kind of I mean obviously we know know that it's kind of what the, the whole point of the show but do you find that if you're doing that you're thinking, I, I don't want to slaughter this person. Because oh, no. No, they're my pals. Better you can swear. You, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, good. Um, yeah, no, I thought, fuck that. No, I'd love to. Uh, the first one was Sophie Hagen. I mean, Sophie are really good pals. Mm-hmm. And Sophie and myself are pretty mean to each other off stage in our best friends kind of way. Yeah. And um, same with Tom Allen. Me and Tom get on really well. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you're fucking getting it. Yeah. Um, and it meant that... Uh, it was fun to write. I mean, I've genuinely, I went through my emails the other day, right, because I was basically, I was looking for like a, an old routine that I wrote down notes for and I was like, I can't even remember what it was. And then I typed in, it was something to do with another person called Tom, but I write in Tom and then I saw an email of Tom roast jokes and I looked through it all and I was like, I had about 70 jokes ready for him and you're only allowed to do five. Yeah. So I was reading through this thing, I was like, isn't it funny? I'm like laughing on the train taking the piss out of someone they're not even here. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
I was just when I was watching it, I, I was thinking, you know, maybe you might have a situation where the two people are kind of thrown together, don't particularly know each other well, and somebody comes out with one that's really, really super personal, and you, and then you think, oh shit, I've, I've overstepped the mark. Oh, I tell you, a show to, and I hope he's doing it, is a Comedian's Rap Battle by The Wee Man. Mm. Um, he, his shows, when he puts them together, sometimes like he usually tries to make it as if they'll go really hard on each other yeah. but sometimes it is like since it's live as well yeah. it means there, like there's no kind of fancy TV element no. and there's a half a year when you're doing a roast battle in Comedy Central you're thinking right there's a camera on me so I can't say anything that will offend everybody yeah, on yeah. the other side of the screen but some of those uh, comedy rap battle things I'm, I was like well, I do not get offended easily, but I'm <laughs> horrified. And he usually does that. Does he do that in uh, in Edinburgh? As yeah, well? usually yeah. in Edinburgh. I hope he's doing this. Year. I don't know if he is. I've bumped into him a couple of times, yes, but I forgot to ask him. I, I I spoke to Neil actually previously about coming on this, and, and and I have to do that. I have to get him on it. And uh, it's Neil Bradshaw, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get him in here for for a, for a show. You can tell me all about that. That so does sound fairly it, painful. He is so good, man. And the thing of it's almost that that thing of the fact he plays the wee man and yeah. like a Ned character. Yeah. But he's incredibly cle- <laughs> clever uh, off like off the stage as well, like yeah. trying to be like, "All oh, right, yeah, as a character, isn't it?" Yeah, yeah. You sometimes get people just because you're kind of Glasgow and you, you maybe get London audience thinking, "Well, look at him; he's he's a Glaswegian, he's got a working class accent. He must be an Ed. He must be a hard man." Well, Ashley's story summed up my accent perfectly. You sound like a private school boy trying to be an Ed, and I'm like. Pretty accurate, yeah. actually. Yeah, I'm a bit of a posh boy. Well, not I wouldn't say I'm a posh boy, it's because like I've got posh family members, and I did remember my brother was very posh. Mm-hmm. And I, when looking at my brother growing up, I thought, I want to be nothing like you. <laughs> the, the weird thing is, I'm not from the East End, my dad's side of the family are all from the East End, and my mum's side of the family are from what well, they moved from Ireland over to Shawlands. Shawlands, where you grew, that's where you, where you grew up. That's where I grew up by. Aye. But then it's so funny, man, English people, just as soon as you hear a Glasgow accent, that is, if they under, can't understand a couple of words, they're like, oh, there must be some Glasgow bro. <laughs> um, Can we get subtitles for this, please? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's funny, man. I don't know. I don't, I don't mind the East End thing when people say it from the East End. I'm like, I'd rather they thought I was from the East End than the West End. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough, yeah. Speaking as a Jordan Hill boy myself, no offence taken. Oh, no, <laughs> right, fair enough. Sorry about no, that. I only just started yeah, no, I'm, I'm all from all over the place. I'm originally Renfrewshire, then lived in Greenock for years and then moved out to the West End. So I'm, I'm, Renfrewshire, where in Renfrewshire? Uh, Cobarkin. Oh, right, okay. Well, I call it Cobarkin. Other people call it Johnston. It's kind of, we're somewhere in the middle. So, we're kind of, you know, from talking to posh people, I say Cobarkin. Did, did, did you hear what I did with my, like the thing that I do with most Scottish people because they tell me these names of places and I just go, Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I'm talking as though you're like again, a, a, a Renfrewshire historian. Oh, yes. Which part of Kilbarkin was it? I know, uh, I was thinking, is Newton Mearns in Renfrewshire? I might know that one. Tell me, Cole. That's in East Renfrewshire. Yeah, oh, yeah, East Renfrewshire. All right, so most, right. Of, most of Scottish places sound made up anyway. I know exactly. I might actually just make up a name of a place and you just say I'm from there and then I give you a bet half the people go oh yeah yeah I, and it'll fight this went to a Glasgow Live piece or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, is that church still in that place? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Larry, who hails from Ockin Muckin. Aye, uh, I'm from uh, Kilmarary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, so let's go back to the start. You said in 2013. Are we going back to this Red Raw thing? No, Jesus but we're going Christ. back before that. <laughs> oh, I said all right. Aye, no, not the, not the start of this conversation. I still haven't quite recovered from that. No, so so 2013, by, even by my limited mathematics, that means you, you probably started 
doing stand-up uh, 2009, roughly, there or thereabouts? Uh, I, yeah, it was weird because I did, like, this thing of, I did stand-up a wee bit at uni for, like, but I was, like, three gigs a year. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of, um, there used to be this comedy club down the road when I went to, I went to Southampton and there was this comedy club and there would be a professional comedian on at the end of each show once every two weeks. And I remember Ed Axel was on, who's so funny, a kind of um, alternative comedian um, and a proper alternative. Sometimes when people say they're an alternative comedian, I'm just about what the alternative to funny. <laughs> but um, Ed Axel is like a genuinely funny alternative comic. And he says to a lot of the people that were doing stand-up there about if you want to make it actually work as a stand-up, you have to be doing it as regular as possible. So like, if you can do it four or five nights a week, do it four or five nights a week. And I, th- I remember thinking, I was like, oh man, well, I'm finishing uni in a couple of years and I don't want to do a normal job, so I better get a move on. Mm-hmm. So then I started gigging five, six times a week because it was only a couple of hours from London there. Uh, five, six times a week for, yeah, the last two years of uni. But that meant... That was twenty. That'd be twenty ten then. Aye. Right, so you're thirty two at the moment. So you've been, so you, so you've been, yeah, over a decade. Please tell me you looked that up and you didn't just tell from my bags under my eyes. <laughs> I looked that up. Proper research here. Oh I mean, I, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, otherwise that retinol's not working well <laughs> enough. <laughs> Further reductions in the Harry Corey summer sale with massive savings and fantastic ideas to transform your home for less. Visit us in store or online at harrycorey.com. Harry Corey, the curtain embedding specialist. Further items reduced in store and online. So that's what prompted it. You know the fact that you were looking, you, you were watching comedians and kind of you know live, and you kind of thinking, I, I, I reckon I could do that. Were your mates telling you you were funny? Or were you, or were you telling you know, were you thinking I am funny? I was. I'd like to get the answer to that. From oh God, I didn't. I mean, I didn't think I was funny until about four years ago, um, and I've been <laughs> stand up for about ten. Um, it was well, in school. I was funny, and I've always been a bit weird, as in like make stupid noises or like be a bit daft and that. But then my mates did say, oh, yeah, you're funny, but they never thought I could actually do stand-up because it's a different thing of being funny in a pub and being funny in front of people. Yeah. Um, but my dad said that I wasn't funny, but I found out it's because he didn't want me to move to Southampton right. Um, right. to do uh, performing stuff. But then, um, yeah, most of them were kind of like, I'd give it a go, but I don't think anyone thought I'd be able to make it a what, what was your you started doing like the fringe and maybe your first fringe solo show. Can you remember that vividly what the theme was and what it was all about? Oh, uh, well, uh, so my first solo show, I had it ready for, well, not ready, but I was going to try it out in Australia doing a festival over there. And <laughs> I remember it went so badly. It was because it was called Out Now or Out Now for any English listeners. <laughs> um and uh, God, I can't believe I even, t- I even titled it something I couldn't even pronounce. <laughs> um, but it was called Out Now, and it was about coming out as a bender. And then what happened was my material just wasn't up to scratch. And then my confidence in my material was so bad because if one bit didn't work, the rest of it just wouldn't right. work because I'd lost all my confidence. In so it. This, this is all about this is about co- coming out in a strict Catholic upbringing, a strict Catholic family. Aye. Which... I mean, a lot of people find, will find it absolutely fascinating and I'm sure there's plenty of good comedy material to come out of it, but were you making the whole show about that or was that just the kind of the, the, the peg to hang other stuff around? Um, no, the whole show is kind of about that. Um, there was other, there was elements about coming out to Catholic, my Catholic family, there was elements of coming out to anybody because it was mm. that weird thing of I have to kind of 
always come out to people because since I'm not the stereotype mm -hmm. um, and it's funny of like you do you know people go oh like people bang on about being gay or whatever like that it's actually about like no it's not really because if you think about how often your sexuality actually does play a part in your life mm -hmm. so people will chat like straight people will chat about their sexuality but not even realise it because since yeah. it's just a norm yeah. so it means that you do end up having to come out a lot because yeah. you go well actually I'm not really a privy to this conversation mm -hmm. What was I going to say? What was the question you, you again? The, it, was, it was about that first, the first solo show and how you thought, you didn't think that the material was strong enough to, to, I, to sustain the hour. The, the funny thing was, all right, so basically it just wasn't working and then uh, my, I lost all my confidence and then I thought about giving up stand-up. Yeah. And then uh, I got introduced to a director and the director basically just gave me the confidence to zone in on. It was like, no, we're not. you're not going to do the thing of I'm only going to talk about it a wee bit and like just be a bit shy because it's like you've got to own it you've got yeah so then basically that just kind of made me kind of go fuck it I'm just going to completely just zone in for, the, for this show and then the whole idea of confessional comedy comes into it as well I suppose exactly because it's a bit like wherever you, there's a quote from Billy Connolly I think it's so true he says wherever you're vulnerable you're funny mm -hmm. so if there's anything about yourself that you can be self-deprecating with you may as well just go I'm actually yeah. going to own this because it actually makes you it makes you go I'm not a victim because I'm making this funny before you do the joke. Yeah, I'm getting there first. Aye. Exactly. Aye. So um, so that show ended up going really decent, especially after, because I, I remember the promoter in Australia was like, I'm going to cancel your shows because it's just not working. Oh, man. And I was just like, what? Oh, fuck. <laughs> he didn't start singing Reet Petit when he was saying it, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. Oh, how did you feel? Oh, mate, I just I'm, was that my is, email? Sorry, I'm asking all these questions. Oh friend. no, it was it was it was actually yeah, it was via uh, it was via Facebook Messenger, and I remember I've screenshotted it because I there's a thing of and it's probably a very unhealthy habit or whenever someone puts you down, it's so satisfying to try and prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah. I know you should never probably do that. You should probably just try and prove yourself wrong, <laughs> but uh, and all this therapy crap. But. Yeah. I uh, I screenshotted it because I was like I'm determined to prove him wrong that this is going to be funny and it's going to be a good show yeah. um, so that was the aim and it ended up working well and people enjoyed the show a lot and I got nominated for a um, best newcomer thingy-majig so I was yeah. like I mean I, I have to thank the director for that to be <laughs> Was that was that show entitled Pharmacist? Was that that one? Uh, no, that no. was uh, so far. It was the first one. Was oh, sorry, it was out, out, yeah. out, out and then, then it was Pharmacist, uh, which was about. To be honest, I always thought of Pharmacist since it was like my, you know, that difficult second album. Thing. Yeah. So Pharmacist was really, really good by the end of the Fringe, by the beginning. I wasn't quite ready for my second <laughs> album, um, but it was about being like an, I was an Elvis impersonator as a kid and stuff, and it was basically about childhood and stuff like that, but I was like, meh. Uh, then there was Fandan in 2017, which is about going out for tea with two murderers. All right, I need, I need to hear this. Sorry, carry on, but I'm going back to that in case I forget. And then there was 20, 2018 was a show called Bampot, which was about my breakup with my ex and about childhood stuff and then there's Fud Not this show which is about uh, being arrested in uh, Abu Dhabi and having uh, what's it called and grief and so basically it tends to be I, I try and find the most dramatic thing in my life to talk about <laughs> <laughs> 
what's been tricky during lockdown? It's not an awful lot of things happened. Oh God, no, tell me, no, mate. Like the amount of rumination that happened in my head was, I'm, I'm, because most people, because I did a routine about that, and people were like, I'm so glad he says that because I was thinking it was mental thoughts. I was Why? like, how did I forget about that? Did you, did you have weird dreams during lockdown? So you go off at a tangent. Oh, yeah, not totally. A lot of thought there was articles written about this. Um, a lot of really, really weird, weird dreams. Folk, but I was having all sorts of things. Anyway, did you have other things you think, am I coming up with false memories here because I'm so bored? That could be that. That yeah, because your, your mind, because I suppose your mind was so inactive during the day of nothingness. Uh, at night, your mind's like, right, okay, let's get moving, guys. I know. I'm, I, yeah, I did wonder. I was like, I don't, I don't know how many more months of lockdown I can handle because I'm thinking my false memories are probably like, oh, I used to be a, a, like a, a witch in high school and had a talking cat. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you sure you didn't just watch Sabrina last week. <laughs> I need to get back to so Fandan. I tell me about that. Yeah, the the two murders. Oh, the murderers. So basically, uh. They, so I, it was about going out for tea with two murderers and there was like a, that's so wanky, there was a subtext about Brexit because everyone was saying you have to accept it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I talked about accepting and how my kind of experience of accepting people and um, one of the murderers... Oh, did you know they were murderers when you, beforehand? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I knew the both were. I, yeah. well, I, I knew one of them was because one of them was my pal. Right, got you. Um, still is my pal as well. But it was like, um, and uh, so better stop complaining about that red raw thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were really good that night, by the way, Larry, honestly. Thanks, mate. Cheers. <laughs> that removes the knife from his hand. Um, so, uh, the, yeah, no wonder the sound guy didn't fucking play, play the music on Flash, mate. Um, <laughs> Like, don't, don't, what's it called? Don't let my smile fool you. I'm a scary bastard. Um, <laughs> no, my, so my pal basically, uh, he was like my best friend during school. And then he got involved in, it was like in self defense, mm-hmm. right? So I don't want to go on the whole story because I don't want people pure Googling it. And, and don't I, give away too much either because, you know, I, yeah, yeah, we've got to respect yeah, yeah. people's privacy and all that, you know. But basically, it was in self defense. That's right, okay. all I could really properly right. say without yeah. giving away too much. And it meant that, so those of my pals, though, and his, our mutual friends were like, oh, no, he's a bad person because he did that. I'm like, well, good people do bad things. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that, obviously, it, that's a really, really bad thing to do. Mm-hmm. But in an, an act of self-defense, obviously, the law has to punish you mm-hmm. for doing that. But at the same time, and obviously, he wouldn't, he wouldn't actually want to do that to someone no, else no, no. Uh-huh. and I was like well I've known this guy 10 years and I don't want him to go into jail and then come out of jail and not have like pals and stuff yeah. so so he was like in uh, there was like a prison thing of like there was a few obviously quite a few years after he initially went in and then he was on days out mm-hmm. and on one of his days out he was like oh do you want to go for coffee mm-hmm. and I was like I sound mad and then he was like oh my pal's coming along as well this is his first day out and I'm like Oh shit! Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm all right with you, but I don't know what this guy's done. Um, <laughs> and also, he's just literally out as well, so he might be, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I was all sorts of frustrations. Exactly, he might be like one of the, they kind of like, oh, I want to go back in. I want to go back in. <laughs> um, so I, he didn't tell me what this guy had done, and I thought it's gonna be. He's with him right now. I don't want to text being like, what did he do by the way? Mm-hmm. So um, I had to kind of out oh, so paranoia interesting. And then my pal, at the end of the, the day, he sent me a, a Wikipedia article about what, what the guy did. The fact there's a Wikipedia article 
about what this guy so it's did. Fairly, fairly notorious. Then. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a crime that actually had a. You know when they kind of go, oh, well, this is the name of the murderer. All oh, right, yeah, the yeah. Thing. It was actually like it had its own identity. This this particular. Yeah, it's, yeah. it sounded like a Goosebumps book. Like wow. it was like the house of yeah. something or other. I'm not yeah. going to say what exactly what it was, but yeah, the yeah. house of something. Yeah. Because it was so grotesque, uh-huh. and I'm like, all right. I know I'm not very judgmental, but you need to get better pals in jail, by the way. <laughs> you also need to give me a heads up before you meet. Exactly. You bring your next pal along for coffee. Exactly. I'm like, why? why are you hanging out with him? Hang out with some robbers or something, man. Like, or a drug dealer, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a white collar criminal. Somebody who's just like defrauded someone or other, you know. I know. It's so... I tell you what, this is a thing, man. It's so stressful having a pal in jail because it's stressful for them, but then you get pure worried about them and that. Mm-hmm. Like, because I was like... I mean, you hear all these stories about like dropping the soap and stuff. I mean, what was funny, I did say to him, I was like, mate, have you got this thing of dropping the soap and whatever? Mm-hmm. He went, no, we've got soap dispensers, what are you on about? <laughs> um, but then, uh, and then, but there was a thing of like, people, they ask you for money, they'll need the money to pay someone else mm-hmm. something for whatever. Just a form of trading inside and whether it's. Exactly. Yeah. And then if there's a, if they don't get the money from someone, they need to get it from someone else. Yeah. And then I ended up getting asked about it and I thought, like, I was like, uh, I need to give him the money because I thought if I don't and he gets beaten up I yeah. will never forgive myself yeah. and I thought I do trust him that he'll pay me back yeah. and then sure enough like two weeks later paying all the money back and yeah. I was like oh thank it felt like yeah, I was pushing it, a bet because if it hadn't you would have had to start threatening him and getting all menacing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't pay exactly. me back and then exactly. just so you know you're not my only friend that's a murderer by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah I met another guy oh so that was, I mean, I think that got a nomination for a, a, an award, didn't it? The, uh, the, the that, wasn't, that wasn't nominated for the, because they usually got the Edinburgh Award or the Amused Moose thingy magic. That wasn't nominated for anything. It got the best, the top 10 best reviewed shows by the British Comedy Gig. So they kind of take on, they basically calculate all the best reviews of the, the festival. And that came like seventh of best reviewed shows. That's brilliant. Um, I pretty decent. It was yeah. all right. Oh, what was so funny, by the way, and I, the audience who came to see that during the Fringe have no idea that this happened. So the person that actually let them in to the gig, my pal just got out of jail, and he couldn't get a job. So I was like, tell you what, why do you help set up my gig? And, and then so he was doing that every day. So people were hearing about like, oh God, your friend sounds quite scary and all that stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> you literally there. shook your hand <laughs> and, hit, and led you to your seat. He's just lifting a chair out the way at the moment, actually, so be careful what you say to him. <laughs> but yeah, it was dead funny because I was just a bit like, I kind of liked the fact that they might have judged him, but I was a bit like, you actually got on very well from before, you got on very well from five minutes ago, but I didn't, I've never said that to them. You were saying my research is good for knowing your age, but uh, I should probably have your, your kind of venue and your dates and all that in front of me, but I don't right in front. So where, where are you playing and what, what sort of... This is embarrassing, but I barely know what it is either. It's, I know it's around about eight o'clock. Eight o'clock's a good time, isn't it? It's around about eight o'clock, but I don't know what exactly what... It's probably like 20 past eight David, the producer, is currently getting on his phone, I think. I know, He's my, looking out right my, now. Keep the microphone on, because I've got a feeling my agent's going to shoot me. Uh, oh, we could always edit this wee bit. Oh, no, it's totally fine. I don't mind. I, I quite like winding up my agent. So you reckon it's about eight o'clock? I would talk to Martin Nelson about this uh, the other day, about, um, I think he's, he's five past seven. There are plum times, aren't there? They're like, you know, you want, you suppose you want a time where people have maybe had a couple of wee drinks and no, not steaming. I don't, so I don't really agree because I'm like, so I don't, I, you don't want a midday one because no one's going to have, like, that tends to be quite a difficult gig. You don't want a midnight one 
because that tends to be a very rowdy gig. Mm -hmm. So where I am at the Monkey Barrel, Monkey Barrel 3, which is on just opposite a city cafe, that's quite a bustly area anyway, and that mm -hmm. tends to be where you'd have been drinking on the Cowgate. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose there is a bit of a sobriety test of can you make it up that hill? <laughs> um, but then, uh, yeah, I find that 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, especially on a Friday and Saturday, can be just as difficult because yeah. the shows I've done before, like Bampot was at 5pm, perfect time. Bandan was at 4pm, I think, no, 6pm. And I always think earlier evening is the best, 5 to 7pm. When I got 8pm, I was like, oh, I know that's supposed to be pure prime time. Yeah. But that's for normal comedy gigs. During yeah. the Fringe, that can be a bit of a, a bit leery. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, I, I remember m m the first time I ever visited Edinburgh just to watch shows, uh, myself and my wife, through a few years ago. And we were going to, you know, made this decision in the train through. We were going to fit in as many shows as we possibly can. And we saw something right on 12 o'clock. It was a free fringe show. It was, I can't remember what it was billed. It was like some Scottish comedians. It might have been open spots. I don't know. Aye. But it was, that was, it was that old cliche. I think it was about six people. And, and the guy had said to us, right, you need to sit at the front. And I'm like, what, why? I'll just, just, you know, and I've never done that now, you know, because I know exactly what's, what's going to happen, you know. Yeah. So he sat in the front. And sure enough, there was only about six folk. And of course he's going to pick on us, you know. Aye. But, um, and if this was one of my first experiences of watching live comedy and he just straight away says, hey, mate, where are you from? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm Glasgow, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> and I just saw him thinking, fuck, I'm not really sure where to take this one, you know? And then, it's, and then he said, what's that journalism do you do? And it just came at me quick as a flash. I said, uh, I review comedy gigs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like... Which I didn't. Oh man, it's, I, it's a really good way of making a comedian go. I'm going to be nice to you. And you're alone. <laughs> it's the perfect answer to give. But 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 that time of day though too, when people are kind of folk might have just wandered in, realised they're in the wrong place, and I look for an excuse to leave or something you know, as well. And everyone's like kind of early in the day, feeling maybe a wee bit uncomfortable. And... Oh, dude, it's it's the worst. You know when you kind of look back and you think, would I do it all over again? I honestly think probably not, because some of the stuff I was like, and now. I'm like, wow, I can't even believe looking back with some self with some self-respect, <laughs> I would be like, how did I do that to myself? Like yeah. the three sisters in on the Cowgate, yeah. I used to do gigs there. But there was a this was like when I my first couple of years of doing the fringe when you kind of shared the bill with other people. And um it was in a yurt tent in the courtyard, and it meant that there was shows going on or like music events going on or football going on just outside the yacht tent. And the yacht tent wasn't exactly soundproofed. <laughs> it was like, and also it wasn't even watertight. It was like, it's basically like somebody put curtains over a normal tent, like frame. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was like a weekend of uh, a bed fort. And um, I remember like doing this show and there was only four people in and it was fully, everybody's lit up, right? So the audience are just as bright as you, which is well, no, no atmosphere. And there was four old ladies sitting there eating ice cream, watching me try and be funny <laughs> about some weird interaction I had with a German one time or something like that. And I'm just looking at these at those faces of the women. I've never seen people look unhappy whilst eating an ice cream. <laughs> I, I can't even believe I did it, man. I feel my heart goes out to anyone doing the French for the first or second oh, time because you go up with such hope of like, oh, I'm going to go to the Edinburgh French. I'm going to like, I'm going to make something of myself. And then you're like, no, mate, you're in a cupboard for, <laughs> for, for three weeks. 
and you're getting no money. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture those wee women eating their ice cream, and you're like, by the way, see my mate there. He's a murderer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you better laugh. <laughs> oh, tell you what, that was actually that that room is the best room in comedy. Was the the year I did Fandan? Mm-hmm. Tiny room, sixty people, sixty to seventy people would fit, and basement. The ceiling is about six foot three because I remember I just fit fit underneath the ceiling, and um, it becomes a pure hot box, right? But it was so good because the atmosphere, if you get a laugh in that room from one person, it bounces off the yeah, walls. Yeah, yeah. And everyone kind of goes, well, it must have been funny. I better laugh. laugh. I don't want to look stupid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's when you do the kind of bigger rooms. Like when I did, I mean, Bampot the year after was dead fun, but it was in a big room. And it meant that if it didn't go, if we didn't go well, oh, God, it was just the most, you felt like you were the, the only person in the universe. <laughs> Oh dear, I, I tell you what, Larry, I'm, I'm mindful of your time here as well. We've been, we must be pushing an hour. Really, really enjoyed this. I've got to always get into trouble with that on, on podcast, man. I'm doing my own podcast Aye. with um, with a couple Give of Give a plug, go for it. Tell us all about it. Oh, it's, uh, I'm not allowed to actually. I'm not, not? I, yeah, I've been told I'm not allowed to say the name and stuff. Oh, oh really? I don't know why. I don't know, as if like, it's like some kind of fucking Elvis comeback. Oh, right, because you're, because you're promoting something else at the moment. Sort of no, thing, no, no, the, 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 the podcast, I don't know, maybe the producer's like, I'm ashamed of this. I don't want people knowing about it. But, <laughs> uh, but basically, I always get told I, tra- I chat too much on the thing. And then I, like, well, usually they have to edit. There's only me and you, though, so like, it's going to be difficult to edit me out. I don't think, it'll be interesting to listen to this back. I don't think there'll be much we need to take out of the producer. Producers looking at me as though I've just fucking sworn at them. <laughs> I, I, I am 100% coming along to see it. No, no question about it. With my girl blaster and all that. And, uh, <laughs> um, no, listen, it was good. It was good. To, it was good. To, it was good to, I'm sure we met. <laughs> right, this is the last episode of uh, Laughter Unlocks. I'm about to kill the producer. <laughs> we did actually meet, I think, that night. It was just one of those one of those kind of I'm Simon, I'm Larry, and that was it. Oh, <laughs> so, oh mate, I am I am tend to be the worst on a new material night for chat because some of these people chat to us, and I'm like, I'm trying to remember what I'm supposed to say. Tell you what, I do remember. I remember you. I think you'd loads. You'd notebook and all that. And you're scribbling away. I do that sticks in my mind because I didn't. I wasn't familiar with who's who's. You know, the names and faces and all that. Yeah, but yeah. You, you were, and you were on first. This definitely. is uh, yeah. Usually when it comes to like I'm. I don't know if most comedians do they most comedians have like been like maybe sometimes take notes but they write it on their phone and stuff. Yeah. I have had to clean out my I haven't chucked any of it away, but like I had to kinda of organise my office and I was like, Jesus, I really, really need to get a grip and actually maybe start putting it on like Backing up somewhere. Yeah, because I'm like it's all these like my my office is the most flammable place in just the picture of all and just you oh do. no, I don't want I mean that's scan, scan up. I mean, that can be used against me as evidence. I've got to be wary of these things, man. Um all those all those dick pics I've drawn. <laughs> um, but, um I but yeah, it's funny man, because I, I got asked to do an interview yesterday and they said, Oh, can you write because you know they do that thing of newspapers sometimes do like all the top you know, jokes from the fringe. Yeah. So usually they'll ask you, tell us a couple of jokes. Mm-hmm. Like you write it out. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say them, right? Because uh, of your own ones or just anybody's. Oh no, your own your ones. ones yeah. But I wrote out jokes and I thought I don't usually do the kind of wee one-liners and stuff, and mm-hmm. I don't want to give away jokes that are in the show. So I had to yeah. go through on my emails to find all these old jokes, and then I had to go through all my pieces of paper, and then I was like, oh man, I found an hour worth of jokes here. Why have I never told these on stage? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually I'm trying new material in the newspaper. <laughs> 
<laughs> you might, might be difficult to get the instant reaction you're looking for. Yeah, someone might email in. It's very, very droll. Yeah, very exactly. Fun. I want an email from Sandra from Buckinghamshire. Has <laughs> something to say about Larry's new joke. <laughs> Well, listen, I think it's probably time to wrap up. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself. Thanks, pal. Yeah, me too, man. Good luck. Really good fun. And uh, yeah, we know the time of the day. It's go and see, uh, go and see Larry and Edmund. Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. And uh, just don't, um, don't music him off if he's banging on a wee bit too much. Ah, exactly. Don't do that. And if you do, I've got pals on. (laughs) (laughs) Larry, thanks again, mate. Thanks so much, pal. Cheers. Cheers.